share your word with your people. Uh, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will take these words and enliven them, speak to our hearts and minds, and give us a will and a desire to obey and to believe. We pray this in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, I want to preach today from the psalm, Psalm 103, so I just invite you to turn in your bulletin uh, to that as we go through it together. <clears throat> bulletin looks a little bit different. The printer wasn't cooperating with us when we had to print the bulletin, so this is not how it's normally going to look, but this is the way it turned out, and this is life with technology that you don't quite understand, so... <clears throat> But Psalm 103 is kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, several years ago when I was going through kind of one of those seasons of anxiety, uncertainty about the future, some health problems, um, found myself awake in the middle of the night and kind of pacing the halls and praying to God. And I found myself turning often in that season to the book of the Psalms and using the Psalms to pray and to express what I was feeling at that time. And this was one of the Psalms that I turned to. Um, there's a French Catholic writer named Francois Mauriac. He, he wrote a memoir of his life with God at the end of his life. And he, in one of his chapters, talks about praying and praying in the morning, praying the liturgy, and he, he said... When I emerge from sleep, my mind is too sluggish to invent words to converse with a father as a son should. And so um, he said, that's one of the beauties of the liturgy, of having it memorized, is that you can use that language to pray to God. And it's the same way with the Psalms. We can use these ancient words to express our present thoughts to God and, and get us started in, in prayer. So that's what I did a lot with Psalm 103, and I still turn back to it. So when I saw this was on the lecture, I thought, well, I, I have to preach on this psalm. And what this psalm does is it tells us not to forget the goodness of God in our life, no matter what we're going through. Just like when I was going through those kind of dark, difficult times, this psalm trained me to look back on my life and be aware of all the goodness of God that I've experienced. And so that's what David is doing here. He's speaking to himself in verses 1 and 2. He's preaching to himself. And that's what we have to do sometimes. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. The soul, that word in Hebrew, nephesh, comes from a word which means life or breath because the breath is the essence of life. And so that word captures this sense that the heart of our existence is our soul, the, the center of our very life. Our bodies change over time, things change, but there's a permanence to the core of who we are. And David is speaking to that place, to himself, who you are with God, the center of your life. Let that be a place of blessing and praising God and thanking God for his goodness. That's what he's doing. So he says, and forget not all his benefits. And then in verses one through five, or 3 through 5, he enumerates these benefits. 
<clears throat> that he's experienced individually. And that's what I really want to key on those verses. But I do want you to notice that this is a prayer. It starts as an individual prayer. And then he lifts up the whole people of God. Because all the people of God, the people of Israel, have experienced God's blessing uh, as a body, as a people of God. He, he made his ways known to uh, Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And so we've experienced this as the people of God. And so one thing that we can think about as we read this psalm is some of these experiences that we're talking about, indeed some of them, all of them really, we experience as the people of God at one time or another. And so when we come together, we can praise God, lifting up our voices together in praise because we share this common heritage of God's goodness in our life. And we remind ourselves of that individually, but also corporately when we gather together in praise. Let's just look at what he th is thanking God here for. We, who forgives all your iniquity, every sin, every transgression, he forgives it all. And I'm going to come back to this theme of forgiveness because this is the heart of the prayer of thanksgiving here, is that benefit of, of forgiveness is the one that he lifts up the most. That's the primary thing he's blessing God for. And so we're going to come back to that. And our readings today spoke about forgiveness. Joseph forgiving his brothers, the, the gospel reading, the, the master forgiving the, the, the servant of his debt. And so we ought to forgive. So that theme is here in the readings, this wonderful liberation of being forgiven and ultimately the great liberation and freedom that knows that we're forgiven by our heavenly father. So David's going to key in on that as the primary blessing he's going to praise God for. But then he says, who heals all your diseases? And, of course, healing in the Bible encompasses not just our body, but our, our soul, our emotions, and God does that kind of healing. But David experienced healing, physical healing, I believe, in his life, and, and I think he might be thinking back to some of those times. Uh, there's <clears throat> a couple of psalms that indicate that David experienced that kind of physical healing. There's Psalm uh, chapter 6, or yeah, chapter 6, the 6th Psalm, where David, it sounds as if he's on the verge of death. Um, <clears throat> he says in verse 2 of chapter 6, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I'm languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. You ever had your bones troubled, pain in your bones? Does he have arthritis? We don't know. But he's suffering physically. My soul is also greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? How long? Turn, O Lord, deliver me, save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. And that, by that he means people who are separated from the, the presence of God because he says, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will praise you? And in the Hebrew mind, Sheol is a place of separation and darkness from God. And they didn't have a very clear picture of the resurrection of the body in the Old Testament. But I'll get to that in a minute because there's inklings of it in the Old Testament. But, but he's saying he's afraid of dying and being separated. But he's trusting in the Lord through this experience of some sort of physical pain. Uh, every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. One of the reasons I love the Psalms and turning to him because he expresses so many different human emotions that we all experience, and he's lifting them up to God. I was talking to somebody this week 
who came into my office, and they were talking about prayer, and I said, well, one thing that I found helpful at different seasons of my life was just to pray the Psalms back to God. And I said, you know, in the Psalms, David talks about fear and anger and all these emotions that we all have. Really? I didn't know he was afraid. Yeah, get into the Psalms and you'll see the range of human emotions that David lifts up, and you can use those words. But then the, the, good, the, the good news is, and what David experienced is this, in um, verse 9, the Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. Psalm 6, 9. So in other words, God answered this prayer of his physical distress, and he was healed. He was delivered. He was saved from death. And, and so I think that David is looking back on his life in Psalm 103, and he's talking about an experience of healing there where he says he's healed all your diseases. And, of course, the ultimate disease of death he's going to heal ultimately. Now, whether you have been healed directly and dramatically through prayer only, and some people I know in this congregation have, we've seen that happen, thanks be to God, that God has healed directly and dramatically just through prayer and the laying on of hands. God is still doing that, and he's still in the healing business whether you've been healed that way or whether you've recovered from an illness or a surgery and it's been the surgeons and the doctors and the medical technology, God works through medicine and he works through doctors to restore health and we can thank God for that because it could go the other way, couldn't it? Same pe same, people have the same disease, they have the same treatments and sometimes it goes the other way. So God is the giver of life and whenever we've experienced his healing, Again, whether it be dramatically and directly and unmediated almost through prayer or whether it be mediated through means, we give thanks to God. So is there anybody here today who can say, bless the Lord for his healing in my life? Dr. Brantley, who had Ebola, who's come back to the United States with that other missionary, I think her name is Nancy Whiteball. They've been on TV in the last couple of weeks giving glory to God for his mercy that they've experienced. And Dr. Brantley said on NBC News, he said, God was gracious to me and merciful. And he used the doctors and he used the care and he used this new medicine to restore my life. And I think that's the appropriate and the proper way to respond when you've been saved from, from the clutches of death. And that's what David is doing here. So bless the Lord for that if you've experienced that in your life. And then he says, who redeems your life from the pit? and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. <clears throat> Again, I think he's um, thinking about times where his life was saved, not only uh, because of physical healing, perhaps, but also, I don't know, you've read this, if you've read enough of the story of David, you know, especially early on, before he was established as king, he was a wanted man, and he was a hunted man. And there are times in the Psalms where he says, they're breathing down my neck, Saul is going to kill me, his men are after me, God save me. And uh, God did. God delivered him out of the hands of the enemy. So he had almost died a number of times. Rescue me, you redeem me from the pit. Again, that word pit is the idea of the Hebrew word sheol. Sheol, a place of darkness, a place where the dead dwell. And he says that you've saved me from that. But I also think that as Christians, when we come across this in the Psalms, God's deliverance from death 
uh, we can read that through the lens of Jesus Christ. And we should always read our psalm, you know, a couple of ways. From David's experience, the king of Israel, and then through the blessings and benefits we've, see, we've received through the Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we read the Psalms through the lens of Jesus Christ. And in doing that, when we come across a phrase like this, you redeem my life from the pit, we know something that even David didn't have this quite rock-solid assurance that because of the resurrection of the Messiah, we can all say that God has given us hope over the grave. There's victory that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus. I, I think David had an inkling of that. I do think that he, even though the Old Testament doesn't explicitly give voice to the hope of the resurrection of the body, I think David certainly had an inkling that his love for God and his relationship with God was going to go past the grave, was going to continue on. If you read some Psalms like Psalm 1610, he says, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. And I think that's an inkling of the eternal life that we have in God. There are some other places in the Old Testament where I think I could point to that give us an explicit doctrine of the resurrection of the body, but we don't have time uh, to look at those today. But David is celebrating and he's blessing the Lord for redemption from death. And we certainly can do that as Christians. To redeem something means to buy it back. No one has enough money to save their life from death. Um, Steve Jobs, one of the richest men in the world, died. Wasn't able to buy his way out of it. Um, only God can redeem us from death. Only God has the power to do that. And he's done it through the resurrection of his son. So bless his name for that, if you have that hope. And then he says... David says, verse 5, he's going to bless the Lord because he satisfies us with good. See, verse 5, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You want to have a, a, a youthful vigor in life so that it's renewed like the eagles. The eagle, of course, a symbol of strength and power. Well, David is meditating here on all the goodness that God has done in his life. And he says, as I've meditated on God's goodness that I've experienced in life, I'm, I'm reinvigorated, I'm renewed in my life. And I think we can all do that. We can look back at our life and our life even now and say, God, you've given me so many good things. The book of James says that every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And so as we contemplate the goodness of God, every good thing that he's given to us, it can renew us. Sometimes we look around and, and we see all the hand-wringing that's going on and all the difficult things that are happening in the world and we hear the depressing news and we can begin to think that at the heart of it all is darkness and depression and meaninglessness. And so what we need to do in those moments is go back and recount the goodness of God in our life. All his goodness. All the good things he's given to us. Um, there's, a, there's a prayer that I came across called Thank You. I'm just going to recite some of this. I don't have the author's name. I apologize for that. But 
He was another French Catholic, so today is French Catholic Day. Quoted one, I'll quote another. I just can't remember his name. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, thank you. Thank you for all the gifts you've given me today. Thank you for all that I've seen, heard, received. Thank you for the water that woke me up, the soap that smells good, the toothpaste that refreshes. Thank you for these clothes that protect me, their color and their cut. Thank you for the newspaper so faithfully there, for the comics, my morning smile, for the report of useful meetings, for justice done and big games won. Thank you for the street cleaning truck and the men who run it, for their morning shouts and the early noises. Thank you for Danny who shared his lunch with me and for Charlie who held the door for me. Thank you for the food that sustains me, for the glass of water that refreshes me. Thank you for the car that meekly took me where I wanted to be and for the gas that made it go and the wind that caressed my face and for the trees that nodded to me on the way. Thank you for the boy I watched playing on the sidewalk opposite. Thank you for his roller skates and his comical face when he fell. Thank you for the morning greetings I received and for all the smiles. Thank you for the mother who welcomes me at home and her tactful affection for her silent presence. Thank you for the roof that shelters me, for the lamp that lights me, for the radio that plays, for the news, the music, the singing. Thank you for the bunch of flowers so pretty on my table. Thank you for the tranquil night. Thank you for the stars. Thank you for the silence. Thank you for the time you have given me. Thank you for life. Thank you for grace. Thank you for being there, Lord, for listening to me and for taking me seriously. Thank you for gathering my gifts in your hands and offering them to the Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That's good. That's good. He renews our strength as we, as we thank him, as we praise him. Well, David um, speaks also here of the primary blessing that he speaks of is the blessing of forgiveness. And let's look here at what he says about forgiveness. And then we'll be done. Um, we've already mentioned he forgives all of your iniquity. All of it. Uh, the extent of it is everything. Everything that we've done against God. If we come to him in repentance, he forgives it all. And then in verse 10 and 13, David points to the character of God, what motivates God to forgive us. And the motive of God is his mercy. He does not treat us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. If God treated us as our sins deserve, we would have no hope of peace with God. But he's like the master in the parable that Jesus said. He wipes away a debt that we could never repay. There's no law of karma with God, no strict justice. His mercy rules. So he's merciful as we come to him. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, verse 13. And then David speaks of the thoroughness of God's forgiveness. Listen to verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Our sin, our uncleanness doesn't cling to us when we come to God for forgiveness. And David, of course, knew 
what it was like to feel guilty before God, to be objectively guilty before God, as we all are because of our sin. We're objectively guilty. And then there's the subjective experience of guilt and the sense of separation from God's presence that David felt so clearly in his life and is expressed in Psalm 51 after his affair with Bathsheba. Beautiful psalm of of penance and repentance. But where he says, uh, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. A man who knew the presence of God so intimately and he's crying out in this moment of repentance, please, Lord, take not thy spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. So David is crying out there, the sense of separation from the presence of God. And this morning I want to say, if there's somebody here who senses a separation from the presence of God because of sin, you know, there's a voice, there's a voice of conscience that makes us feel guilty, and God gives us that because we are objectively guilty. Our lust, our lies, our jealousy, our envy, our pride, all of it makes us guilty before God, and we feel that. But that voice that condemns and says, you know what, you're not worthy of God's presence anymore and he's not going to use you, that's the voice of the enemy. And so we have to listen to the other voice that David is giving voice to that speaks of the mercy of God and the compassion of God. He's like a father who's dealing with a wayward child who has compassion on this child. And I want you to hear that today. If you feel distant from God because of sin, because of the things that you've done, things that you've left undone. Hear the voice of God calling you back and receive the blessing of forgiveness and reconciliation. And every Sunday we we say something at communion. We remind ourselves of something, again, that David didn't know. David did. He has these promises, but we even have them in in, in greater strength. We can cling to them in a greater way because of Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus who purchases our forgiveness, full and free. And every week we say at the Lord's table that Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Bless the Lord, O my soul, that he has forgiven me of all my sin. And so as you come this morning to the Lord's table um, and you receive the cup, If you're feeling distant from God, I want you to receive that cup and say, bless the Lord, thank you, Lord, for this. And I receive it. I need it. I need to be cleansed. I need to be reconciled. I need to be renewed. And I give that to you. I give you my sin, and I trust in the promise of forgiveness. So bless the Lord. Can you join David and say, bless the Lord this morning for all that he has done. Amen. Let's pray. God, we want to bless you from from the depths of our being as David did. And thank you for this psalm that instructs us in this. And um, help, help us, Lord, at the very center of our life to give you praise and blessing. When other things press in and crowd out your praise, help us to turn back to you and to your word and to stay focused on you, to set you before us and all your goodness and your benefits so that our hearts will swell up and well up with praise and thanksgiving. It's in your name we pray these things, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.